Hello, once again, welcome to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyka. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm right here. Guys, we have such an action-packed show for you guys today. Like we did last week with Big Ten, we're going to preview Pac-12 football this week. Uh, we're going to be talking, why do you or do you not watch UFC slash boxing, and is it going to make a comeback? Um, AEW on TNT, we knew that, but now we know for officially they're going on Wednesday. So, right, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk some Lions transactions, some guys leaving, some guys coming, all big stuff. And then at last, we're going to be talking some Blake Griffin free agency pitches that did not go our way, because let's kick the Pistons while they're down, why don't we? So let's... <laughs> Let's what we just, do here. Exactly. Let's just jump right. Listen, I'll give them praise when they start winning. But okay, until that time true. happens, you know what I mean? Um, let's just jump right in, though. Pac-12 football. Um, some of you may or may not even know the Pac-12 exists. I don't blame you. Some of you may or may not know that half the teams in the Pac-12 exist. Once again, I still don't blame I you. I wouldn't blame you on that. I mean, honestly. So it's just one of those things to where if you don't know, you're about to know. Because we're going to do the exact same thing we did last week. Do some over and unders on their season. We predict who wins the Pac-12. All that good stuff coming your way. So, Mike, I'm going to let you lead the charge. My man, let's do this thing. Okay. So, we are going to start with the North. The they North? go by okay. North and South, South, East and West. Because they're weird? Because they're different than every other conference in sure. college football. Um, so, with the North, which is probably, in my opinion, the more heavy-sided yes. uh, division. For sure. We, yep. We're going to start with the reigning Pac-12 champions, Washington. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, uh, they went 10-4, and four, including mm-hmm. their postseason success. 10-4, it feels like a lot of losses, doesn't it? It does. Doesn't that feel like a lot? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they ended the season at, uh, what, like 9-4? and. Yeah. Three. Right. And then exactly. They won the conference, lost a bowl game. Right. Long, right. long story short. Yeah. Um, this year they're set at nine and a half. So they're the reigning Pac-12 champs. Right. Um, Chris Peterson averages ten point seven wins per season as their coach. That's crazy. So that's crazy. That's, that's one big thing. Yeah. But they lost many of their defensive starters, including mm-hmm. Taylor Rapp and Byron Murphy, right. who went in the draft this year. Yep. Um, they have a pretty easy non-conference schedule, which mm-hmm. includes um, Eastern Washington and Hawaii. But their toughest stretch is weeks five through nine, mm-hmm. where they have a home game against USC. They're at Stanford, at Arizona, home against Oregon, home against Utah. Yeah. So it's a tough five game. Yeah, I think they're. Order. I think they're going to be right up there at the very top of that. So you said nine and a half. Is nine there, and a half. Is there, go? I'm going to go over. I'm going to say they get to ten wins again. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Um, you know, this is a good. This is a well coached football team. You know, Pac-12 football. I would not say is on the top of anybody's radar mm-hmm. necessarily. You know, um, especially with the way the tiering is in this conference, similar to the Big Ten we were just talking about right before we went on the air. Um, yeah, I'd say ten wins. I'd say that's probably accurate. Okay. Um, next we'll go Washington State. Last year they had a record of eleven and two total record. That's Mike Leach's team, right? Yep. Yeah. And their over under this year is eight and a half. Eight and a half. He's okay. really done a good job improving this program. The offense is phenomenal. Yeah, That's what they it looks do. Great. Yeah. It's always what it is. Um, their biggest non conference game they play week three at Houston, mm-hmm. which is their prime time Friday night game. Right. And then they pre they play crucial road games week five against Utah, week mm-hmm. eight against Oregon, and mm-hmm. week twelve against Washington. So they played kind of their three toughest games on the road this year right. through their schedule. Mm-hmm. Where do you predict them at? Um, I would say... At eight and a half. I, yeah, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say eight is probably their max there. Okay. Um, a problem with Mike Leach's teams a lot of time, right, is their defense is a leaky faucet. A lot of times yeah. that's what ha- that's what kind of doomed him at Texas Tech. Um, uh, he's a great offensive mind, uh, but at the same time I think that with... You know, with some of these teams out there, a little more balanced than them. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. so heavy-handed, right? But if it's one of those things where it's like, if your offense is an off night, you ain't winning that football game. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's what kind of concerns me a little bit. You just said the road game schedule that they have. Yeah, um, yeah I would. I'm going to say eight, but that's that's probably the top of there. I think they had a bounce back year where it's like, hey, okay, cool, but you know, you're Washington State. <laughs> Sorry that's about that. <laughs> um, so next, we're going to hit Stanford. Um, last year, they went nine and three. Um, and they're under over set at seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So they lost a lot of their pieces from last year. Yep. They have uh, their quarterback KJ Costello's back, mm-hmm. but lost all his wide receiver weapons to the draft. Lost Bryce Love too. Um, they play notable games. They play Northwestern, UCF, and Notre Dame as out of conference schedule. It's a which tough out of conference. Combined as right. a thirty-three and seven record last year. Yeah. And their first five games of the season: home against Northwestern, at USC, at UCF home against Oregon, home against Washington. And then week 12, wow. they play 
home against Notre Dame. Wow. That's tough. Even though those are home games, here's the thing. I don't know about I don't know about you. I'm not a David Shaw guy. No. I do not I don't understand why everybody thinks that this dude is just like the great coach. He's always every year, right? Him and like uh Sumlin from Texas A&M mm-hmm. from, from, from the day. We're like the two guys like, "Oh, they can make the jump to the NFL." And I go, "Why?" Yeah. Right? I don't understand the David Shaw praise. I really really don't. I mean, he came after Harbaugh. Harbaugh is the guy who turned it around. You had McCaffrey, who was a top 10 pick. You had Andrew Luck at one point. You had, like, top-notch players, and you never really got in the conversation of being anything more than just Pac-12 champ. So because of that, I'm going to say under. That okay. schedule is disgusting. Those first five games especially are going to be rough. Like I said, I don't, I don't see the perk about Stanford anymore, yeah. right? Like, when they had some players, I got it. You know, even Bryce Love was there, and he was, he was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But... I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I really don't get it. I don't understand the love for them anymore. I think it's like the one thing. It's like the they're like a really good academic school. It's like so we really got to hope that they're really good at football too. Yeah. Like it's like oh my gosh, this is like a crazy phenomenon. But in reality, you've just been average. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm gonna say under on that. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Oregon. So last year they went Herbert, nine and four. Herbie fully loaded. Yes. <laughs> don't even. <laughs> they last year were at nine and four. Yep. This year they're set at eight and a half as they're under over. Mm-hmm. So they keep their entire offensive line from last year nice. with their quarterback talent Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, they changed their defensive coordinator from G, um, Jim Levet to Andy Avalos. Mm-hmm. And they start their season at Auburn. So mm. week one, right ABC, Saturday night, they right. play Auburn. And Fight then they play court, huge yeah. games on the road, including week four at Stanford, mm-hmm. week seven at Washington, and week nine at USC. What's there, nine and a half? Eight and a half. Eight and a half? Jeez, this is a tough one to call. I really like Washington this year, um, so it's hard for me to be like, yeah, Oregon. I think those are going to be the teams that are really duking it out yeah. all year. That may, oh, yeah. be that, may be that game, right, mm-hmm. decides it. Um, I like Herbert a lot as a prospect. He's big, he's tall, he's tough. Um, you know, he's he's athletic as all hell, right? So him as a prospect, um, Oregon, once again, another one of those teams where their defense has just never been able to capitalize on great offensive schemes. You know, even the Mariota year, Mariota was doing a lot, you know, yes. to really keep them afloat. So, so because of that, um, I'm going to say nine wins, and I think they finished second behind Washington. Okay. In the Pac-12, I love them. I love what they're going to do, and I think that that's going to be something that we're going to talk about come next year draft time. It's like, well, you couldn't even win the Pac-12 to this, you know, to Herbert. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, eh, yeah, you mean yeah. more complete team? Yes, you know what I, I mean. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I agree to disagree. Yeah, because I do think Oregon's going to win it, but that's fine. Right, we can. Agree that's okay. That's okay. Because I'm always one of us will be right. <laughs> so you hear so. that every other team in the conference, you have no chance. <laughs> Um, so we're going to hit California next. Yeah. They were seven and six last year, mm-hmm. and they're set at five and a half for their under over this year. They were shockingly ranked fifteenth nationally in total defense. Really, that's kind of surprising. But they were ranked one hundred and fifteenth in total <laughs> offense. <laughs> that seems about right. Yeah. Um, so they play. Besides, they play week at week two mm-hmm. at Washington. They have a pretty non uh, non conference easy. easy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, they play big games at Ole Miss, at Oregon, at Utah, at Stanford this year. Mm-hmm. But they have pretty winnable home games against Oregon State, Washington State, USC. So I guess kind of depends on if you think they're going to win some of those road some games. Some of those road games, or... yeah. I'm going to say under on this. I the Cal Cal's weird. That's a weird football team. Like it they're is. hard to really get a, a grip on. You know, um, I'm not I'm not necessarily when I think Cal, I think like Deshaun Jackson still. Like I don't know oh, why yeah. I do, but I just do for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to say under. Like I said, I think there's this this side is going to be super top heavy, and then the rest of it's just going to be garbage. So it's kind of one of those things for me where the Pac-12 as a whole doesn't move a needle. So the teams that are going to be really good are going to look like they're going to dominate pretty mm-hmm. much the whole season, yeah. and then all and then they're going to go and play a team in the SEC or something and get completely destroyed. destroyed. <laughs> Sounds hard. Right. Uh, and finally, in yep. the North, we have Oregon State. Woo! Uh, they were two and ten last year, Shocker. and they're under overs at two and a half. Wow! So they start their season home against Oklahoma State. They play home games against Washington, Utah, and Stanford. They lose all three of those games. And they end the season with home against Arizona State at Washington State and then at Oregon. Yeah, they lose all those games too. I'm going to say two is probably their max again. Okay. I don't. That's not. It's not a good football team. Even their home games are terrible. You know what I mean? So if it was like their non-conference was so easy and their and their home games were against the weaker half of the division, I'd say maybe yeah. you could have maybe four or five just mm-hmm. squeak it out. Like some of these teams, like we talked about last week in the Big Ten, you know, the four uh, Indiana 
Carolina's got four games, all non-conference, that are just cakewalks. You know what I mean? Just to get to a six-win bowl bid. So it's like, you know, I don't see anything. That's why nine well. teams always make it. Out exactly, of exactly. Yeah. So I don't see anything for Oregon State. Okay. Sorry. So we just what are you, Beavers, I think, right? Yeah. Beavers or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. The Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> That's exactly there. You can't uh, catch a break. <laughs> so out of the Pac-12 North, who do you have? I got Washington. Uh, I, I like Oregon a lot. I really, really do. Um, I want to see the defense before before I go. Yes, you know what I mean. The the you know their quarterback is great. I, I agree with that he's going to be a top prospect. But Washington, I think, is a more complete team. I get they lost a couple people, but that doesn't. The, the funny thing about Washington a lot of times is that I never can name a specific person on their roster mm-hmm. usually, but they're always pretty damn well coached. They they have a good yeah. you know what I mean. So it's like one of those things to where. Until the draft comes, like, oh, yeah, this kid's a stud, this kid's a stud, this kid's a stud, Veda Vea, Byron Murphy, whoever. Yeah. But during the season, I'm like, all right, it's, they're good. I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I totally get that. Yeah. All right, so now we can head over to the south. Does it matter? I mean, you can look. <laughs> Come on, we can Does at least matter? talk about Does it. Does it matter? You know the Oregon-Washington game's going to decide the champion anyway. Probably. Which is, once again, our gripe about unbalanced divisions. But that's fine. Um, so we're gonna start with Utah. Yep. Last year they were nine and five. They're under over set at nine and a half. Um, so they won the Pac-12 warrior. South last year yep. and only lost by seven, even with some star injury players mm-hmm. out. So mm-hmm. you can say if you want how well they won if we're fully healthy. Yeah, you can always say you. that. Um, they play big games on road, including Week Four at USC and Week Nine at Washington. Um, but they won't see the top teams like Oregon and Stanford. That helps. So they got, that they helps. Kind of, they right. kind of pulled they the draw that. that. Right. Yeah, I'm going to say they they should probably, um, between them and USC, are probably going to be the two teams favorited to come out of that side, honestly. Yeah. So I'm going to say, what is it, nine and a half? Nine and a half. I'm going to say nine wins. So I'm going to say the under technically. Yeah. But I still think they're the ones that come out on top in that. I think the rest of them are going to beat each other up and it's just going to be it's yeah. a pick them. But I, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked necessarily to see them be over that. But I don't think Utah is like some groundbreaking program yeah. either. You know what I mean? All right, so we'll go kind of quick through some of these. Yeah. That don't. Yeah. So Arizona State last year was seven and six. Herm Edwards under over six and a half. They play week three at Michigan State. With a loss. Play tough series at Utah at UCLA. Mm-hmm. They end the season with home games against USC, Oregon, and Arizona. Mm. Six and a half is there? Is there? Six and a half. I'd say seven. I'm going to give Herm Edwards the benefit of the doubt. You turn that program around a little bit. Plus, I like their jerseys, so that's cool, too. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that. Why not? Um, so, USC last year went five and seven. Down year. Their under overs at seven and a half. Good they point. Last year, they ranked 10th in total offense in the Pac-12. <laughs> Jeez. I like how you waited for the punchline. I was like, I was like, there's no way they were tenth in the in the country. And then he goes, no, no, in the conference. Yeah, out of, tw- out of twelve, they were tenth. Uh, JT Daniels and his receivers return, hoping for a good season. You get some guys coming back that um, maybe can work with the. Offense. Remember when USC had like just churned out talent like left and right, like yeah. it just could not they stop. Were, like, the big and then nothing. Yeah, uh, they start the season with early home games against Stanford and Utah. Oof. They play tough three game stretch in the middle at Washington at Notre game home against Arizona. They end the season Under. home against Oregon and UCLA. Under, dude. These, all these teams are garbage. I'm sorry, but USC, dude, like, you guys... I get Lynn Swan is your AD now. That's yeah. cool, I guess, but that's garbage. It's all hot garbage. <laughs> Who's their coach now? Do you know who their coach is anymore? Uh, they just got someone new, I think. Yeah. I, is it, is I, it, didn't see I know, I, I think Steve up, Sarkeesian is back as an OC, I think, out there. Oh, no, I think he's in Bama again. I don't know. They're all ter- It's all terrible, dude. It's so bad. <laughs> Next is Arizona. Jeez. They also had a 5-7 and seven record last year. They're also, oh, no, they're at 6.5, not 7.5 mm-hmm. like USC. Mm-hmm. Start season with tough home games against Texas Tech. UCLA and Washington. Mm-hmm. They have a tough three-game road stretch in the middle at USC, at Stanford, at Oregon, and they end the season at or- Arizona State. That's a tough one. Arizona's a weird team for me because um, they've they've gone through so many random scheme changes, you know, like with Rich Rod and you know and all that good stuff. So six and a half. Yes, six yeah. and a half. Jeez. Oh. That's a tough one. I'll say over, and they get to seven somehow. I guess I don't know. That, oh, yeah. These teams are so hard to predict because they're all hot garbage. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I, I mean, I don't mean to be blunt about it, but like, just wait till we get the SEC or the ACC. Oh, I know, right? It's just going to be like, let's talk about four teams. Let's not talk about everybody else. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, so UCLA <laughs> last year was three garbage. and nine. Garbage. Under over six and a half. All oh, under, just under. You don't even tell me the schedule. It's under. It's come okay, on, dude. That's fine. They haven't been anything in years. 
Uh, and Colorado's next. Uh, last year they were five and seven. Their under overs at four and a half. Start season with a three game home stretch. Colorado State, Nebraska Air Force. All right, that's three wins right there. They play tough teams at home, including Washington, Stanford, and USC. Okay. And their toughest test will be road games against Oregon and Utah. Four and a half, you Late. said? Yeah. Oh, they get, I think they get over. They get at least five wins. They got three right off the top that they're probably going to win. I mean, yeah. come on, dude. So. Okay, so who wins the South for you? Um, I'm going to say Utah does it again. I don't like what USC is doing. I don't see anything happening for UCLA. There ain't another team out there we're talking about, to be honest with you. So I'm only talking about those because people know what the hell I'm talking about when I say those teams. So, yeah, they do. And then Washington wins it all. Okay. I'm assuming you probably have Oregon have, have, and Utah. I do. Yeah. And I have Oregon. You got Oregon winning so. it all. I know you're a big Herbert guy. And that's that's yes. the thing, though, right? And I, as I said before, it's extremely difficult for me to go, yeah, that's going to be – you know what I mean? Because Oregon is a team to me – where sometimes I'm like, I don't know how anybody's stopping these people. And then it's always the one game where I'm like, these guys are just hot garbage. Like, good Lord. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things where if they could truly find a really great defensive coordinator to come in, like, and really just, I, I mean, the, the sky's the limit, honestly. Yeah. It really would be. Do you so. think now, I guess we'll talk about this. Yeah. we ta- You said Ohio State last year, mm-hmm. Washington uh, this week, mm-hmm. or Ohio State last week. Mm-hmm. Do either one of them make the Final Four? Yeah, I think Ohio State does. I know a lot of people aren't as high on Ohio State because the coaching change. I know your cousin, we talked to him yesterday, he's yeah. not as high on them. No. They lost Haskins, they lost Paris Camp, they've lost some people, but they reload every year, guys. I'm sorry. But until someone tells me that Ohio State's not going to win it, they're going to win the damn thing. So I think they get there. I don't, I don't think Washington does. And I'm going to say this because I don't think they're going to have the resume. I don't think they're going to dominate the competition like they're going to need to in order to get there. I think they're going to win, mm-hmm. right? I think they're going to be a good team, but they're not going to be a great team. I don't I don't see Washington in the way we just talked about. It. I mean, we didn't go over to half the teams more than five seconds because we know they're going to be not good. So because of that, I don't think they're going to have the resume to get in over a team that maybe like Georgia has two losses. Georgia may get in even because they lost to Bama and, you know, whoever. And exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we'll talk about that in a future episode, but, like, I don't see how – they get in because you got to think Clemson, Bama, probably somebody from the Big Ten's got to be getting in. It's going to be probably Ohio State. They'll have that one random loss and and their fourth team, which will probably be from one of those. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a Georgia or, or Notre Dame is really good again for yeah. whatever reason. We don't know why. It's it, it's Notre a, Dame you know, since we won't talk about them. Yeah. In the since they're not in the Power Five, yeah. have a pretty Bitches. tough schedule. Yeah. Because when you're going through, they play guys like Stanford, Washington mm-hmm. through the yeah. season. It's not going to be. Big Ten yeah. teams. They play. They have probably one of the tougher schedules because they just have those right. random. Right, and I think they teams. have to do that because they don't have a championship game. Right, so if you go out and you beat Michigan and you beat Washington, you beat these teams, you go, yeah, we didn't win a bowl, we didn't win our conference championship, but yeah. we beat the team that, like, say Michigan somehow backs their way into a Big Ten championship this year, right? But they beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. They, I beat the Big Ten champion, right? I beat the Pac-12 champion. So because yeah. of that, that's going to lend them some credibility if yeah. they have one or two losses. Yeah, that, that gets into a whole other argument. Exactly. So Absolutely. Later. All right, let's do real quick before we hit the break. I want to talk some UFC slash boxing action, okay? Okay. Um, the UFC, it's a weird conundrum for me. I guess mixed martial arts, combat sports, I guess we'll use, you know, we'll that's exclude fair. WWE for a second and professional wrestling. But... Um, combat sports used to be a big thing. You know, it was there was a craze there about five, six years ago where, like, that was a really hot thing. The UFC games were coming out. Everybody was really hot about it. The Ultimate Fighter was really popular as a show. Boxing, you know, you still had Pacquiao was pretty much undefeated. Mayweather was doing his thing. You had the Klitschko brothers and the heavyweight division that were really good. Um, it's now kind of stagnant. You know what I mean? It's kind of And boxing's been dying for a while, but the UFC, more importantly, has, I mean, do you watch either one of these anymore or is it only for like if mcgregor's fighting i'll watch a mcgregor fight or if john jones or pacquiao's fighting i'll watch a pacquiao fight but is it even worth it for you to buy that pay-per-view for 50 60 dollars a pop to watch one guy theoretically oh so i would say yes to a certain extent yeah um i've always had the problem with ufc of the fact that i feel like in wrestling Mm -hmm. you know the main event will go time like you'll actually get the Mm -hmm. investment and the entertainment value absolutely where i don't know some people might super enjoy when mcgregor knocked out 
well, who's it, Nate Diaz in like mm-hmm. 12 seconds? Right. Um, what, two years ago or whatever? Some people may be like, wow, that was amazing because he knocked him out in 12 seconds. But if you think about it, so you paid $60 to watch someone knock him out in six seconds right. or 12 seconds or right. whatever. Um, that's something that I always get nervous about when I buy it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have a good five round title fight, that right. you're, you're like, just like, it's a roller yeah. coaster. Like yeah, you're Frankie right. Edgar, Gray Maynard from like five, seven, eight years ago now. Yeah. When five rounds was a draw. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We were exactly. like, wow. Yeah, that was a fight. <laughs> or even if you wanted to get one of those Diaz McGregor fights and they go four or five rounds mm-hmm. and you go, and then the okay, upset and, happens. Yeah, that, then you're like, that was worth it. But right. sometimes you get into the stigma of maybe right. it's do, not Do worth you think it. that's why some pay-per-view numbers are down, right? We, we've talked at nauseum about how professional wrestling ratings, their pay-per-view numbers are down, obviously due to the network. But do you think that is a contributing factor as to why pay-per-view numbers are down? Because uh, historically, right, there was a time where UFC was doing big money. And for certain people, they still are. John Jones, McGregor, at one point it was Rousey. Mm-hmm. Now... Without those guys in the mix, it's like, okay, it's okay. Like, I'd watch it if it was free or at a bar, but I'm not going to, you know yeah. what I mean, invest Well, I also think, I always think streaming networks have ruined it, too. Yes. I feel like people actually, I think UFC's, um, they have their own streaming right. thing for after events. Right. I think those numbers are high. Like, a oh, lot yeah, of stocks sure. are high for that. Mm-hmm. But, like, the individual events are low because... When you have something like the WWE Network, mm-hmm. let's be honest, no one's paying $60 to watch every WWE event Not happening. Nope. But now that you have the streaming service, you're like, I can spend $10 right. a month. Right, $10 a month, and I get all this other stuff. Do you yeah. think that UFC, I guess, boxing card, because there's so many different associations yeah. and stuff like that, but for the UFC specifically, do you think that they benefit from just going... All right, listen, maybe that's not $10. Maybe it's $15 yeah. a month, right? Something where you go, listen, you're going to get all of our pay-per-views, right? You're going to pay $15 a month. You get all the Ultimate Fighter seasons. You get oh, documentaries. You, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like, but yeah. with the pay-per-views and everything, just you get all this stuff and just so here. Oh, absolutely. You know I mean? They would totally 100% benefit. Yeah. I don't know if they make the same amount of money hmm. um, because it's cheaper, more people right. get it's it. Right, it's more of a continuous time. stream of revenue. Yeah. So, right. I don't know. I mean, personally, I think the only di- the big difference is in wrestling, you could watch, like, say your favorite guy is like AJ Styles. Right. He's wrestling either every single week mm-hmm. or on these big shows, you know he's going to be on them. Right. Where Conor McGregor might fight once or twice a year. Right. And that's, right. that's different sport, draw. obviously, right? Yeah, different levels of preparation. Yeah, but I agree that's, with that's your draw, though. It's right. like Conor McGregor, John Jones. That's your draw, and mm-hmm. they only fight once or twice a year. Do you, do you think that we're going to see a resurgence of this coming up? Do you think that there needs to be more stars? Because all of these sports, at the end of the day, whether it's professional wrestling, whether it's USC boxing, are driven by top stars, right? You need to have a reason to watch somebody fight, right? Because like, if it was two schmucks out there that you know look like me going at it, I think it'd be funny as hell to watch but it's not you know what i mean but at the end of the day if there's not personalities if there's not intrigue if there's not something to make me want to be emotionally invested in there do you think that you were going to see some more cultivation of some top stars that are more you know like like a forrest griffin or a chuck liddell guys that kind of transcended the sport a little bit and were like people that you know i mean you could Mm -hmm. put them in other things like oh yeah that's that badass ufc guy so Without McGregor and John Jones, there isn't a lot of that there. No. You know what I mean? So they, do you think that they need that star potential again to kind of peak interest? Or do you think it's just kind of like this is just how they're going to have to operate going I mean, going it's forward? just kind of how it is. I mean, yeah. they have – I would say every event that they've had in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. the main event has always been, you know, you have like Khabib or you yeah. have John Jones or you have Daniel Corbett. You have like one of those right. main guys. Right. But you don't have a lot of undercard guys mm-hmm. that have the, the personality. You, I feel like if you had more cards with – more like a totality of mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. or what or however you want to put it for UFC yeah, standards. For sure. I guess maybe that would help out, mm-hmm. but Yeah, I think it's tough I think it's tough, right? And I do think too that um with that being said, right, I, the the top search I think too I think people like seeing new stuff happen. And and what I mean by that is like I think people like it when like the favorite loses. Like I think a lot of people watch John Jones fight now just to see him lose. Like that's yeah. a big draw, right? Well when's the last time I mean you got like double champions galore now so I think the USC is relying too much sometimes on three or four guys. Like Cormier was like heavyweight champion and heavyweight champion. McGregor was that and that. You know, you got all these guys that are like unifying and vacating and unifying and vacating championships. So it's like I don't think they have enough depth of guys, you know. Like, I remember one point, the light heavyweight division was stacked. You had Rampage, Machida, Rashad Evans, Forrest Griffin. You had all these guys that were fight all top contenders for the championship. And, you know what I mean? Now you don't have that no, as much anymore. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, I think that's also hurting them. Okay. 
After the break, we're going to talk AEW on TNT on Wednesday night starting in October. We got some Lions transactions, who's coming, who's going, and we're talking Blake Griffin and how he's not the best recruiter in the world, apparently. According to, well, Blake Griffin, okay? All that and more after the break. Stick around. Hey guys, this is the Mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeca. Just reminding you once again that we are live every single Monday at 7 in the morning on all your favorite streaming services. We have so much great content every single week. If you're not paying attention, if you're not subscribed, I don't know what you're doing. You got to get on there. You got to click subscribe. You got to give us a comment. You got to give us a like. You got to share these links with all of your friends. If not, I mean, how can you, how can you, how can you get everybody else on this train, on the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast train? You can't do it. It's not possible. Be like Mike, be like all his friends, be like me, get on this train as fast as possible. I'm always right sports podcast every single Monday. All right, and we are back with part two of episode 35 of the I'm always right sports Episode 35, man. Oh, you're yeah, getting old. yeah. You're getting old, bro. I know. Do you see my shoulders as you <laughs> arm circles halfway through? <laughs> Got to stretch it out. You're ready yeah. to go. All right, guys, let's jump right into it. You know, this is the part of the show that's extremely fun for us. AEW, we've been talking about them a lot over the past couple months. Obviously, they're the new hotness in the professional wrestling world. But we now know it's official. Wednesday nights, October, TNT. October 2nd, Wednesday, TNT. 8 p.m. 52 weeks a year, except Christmas, for whatever reason. They already had that in their thing. I don't know why. But sometimes Saturdays. Is it really sometimes? Yeah, I didn't that. hear about that either. Okay, so you're breaking we'll, news here. I guess we'll break some news break here. Some news, they yeah. said that, um, so they're going to have like minor shows, kind of yeah. like their backlashes or yeah. whatever equivalents, or like their they're Clash, the It's Clash of the Champions. Yeah, they're going to have, yeah. have Saturday night episodes for like an hour or two also. Oh, okay, so like it's like the clashes. Yeah. It's like the in-between, because they're only yeah. going to have four pay-per-views a year. Yeah, they so. have the 52 weeks, and apparently they had like 100 dates or something scheduled Yes, and their top guys are only wrestling like 75 nights a year, Yeah, which is crazy when you think about that kind of schedule, um, and we'll jump into that in a second, but um, is it a smart move... Wednesday Wednesday was an interesting day for me because it's one of those things where you got Monday's Raw, Tuesday SmackDown. It could be moving to Friday, but for right now it's Tuesday, right? You know, you've got WWE moving to Fox. There's the potential of NXT going to Wednesday. Do you think that Wednesday was a smart day to attack? Do you think they should have went to maybe Thursday? Do you think they should have tried Friday? Do you think they should have went head-to-head Monday versus Monday just to see what the hell happened? You know, and really see if you could really tank the ratings, yeah. so to speak? Um, I think... I think Monday's an awful idea, mm-hmm. Th- and Thursday through Sunday is not a good time either, mm-hmm. especially because you have to look at long-term what happens on those days, right. and Monday is raw, so I don't know how many ratings you'll get. You'll get initial ratings, but it's going to be tough there. Mm-hmm. You're splitting your audience. Yeah, you're splitting your audience, basically. Mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, first of all, the weekend's just tough in general to watch oh, wrestling, yeah, no doubt. and then Thursday... For many people that say they don't watch Thursday Night Football, they get like 2 million people watching Thursday Night Football because it's NFL football. So those five days Mm -hmm. through the weekend, basically, Mm -hmm. are almost possible. So I was thinking either Tuesday or Wednesday would be the best day because nothing happens. There's really no sports that go on those days. So I think Tuesday or Wednesday. And since... They could have really took either, but Wednesday's right in the middle and nothing happens and everyone was home on Wednesday. Nothing's good about so, a Wednesday. Wednesday I think sucks. it's like I think it's really the perfect day. Yeah. And it's right in the middle of the mm-hmm. work week. Mm-hmm. So if you're not investing in mm-hmm. WWE's product, no doubt. You can only watch the one show for two hours and it's like right in the middle. So it's not like Monday or Tuesday, but mm-hmm. it's not closer to the weekend, it's right in the middle. I think right. it's perfect. Yeah, it's day. something to look make that make your week go by a yeah. little bit faster. Because you're looking forward to it and right. then you're like, Oh, I'm halfway done now. Right, yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, do you think that they should be worried though? about NXT possibly going live on Fox, right? They've they've kind of talked about that. There's going to be a show, like a post-show thing on Fox now, too, at one point. that They're, they're going to try to basically populate the whole pro, uh, the whole channel. But do you think that AEW should be worried at all about NXT going live? Because WWE has already come out and said that, yes, there will be main roster stars appearing on NXT if they were to go on TV every single week. So, because right now, if you watch an NXT show, and if you're a WWE fan, you know this, NXT shows, for the most part, are boring. There's not a lot to them. There's maybe a one good match out of the hour, and the rest of it is fluff and trying to get new talents established and yada, yada, yada. So, if they were to go to, say, an hour and a half for two hours, right, they go to two hours and they have some main roster stuff, and you see more people on there every single week, do you think that AEW should be like, oh, crap, this, this could be competition? Uh, no, because I think they ruin NXT if that happens. Yeah. I think NXT's special 
and it's way of it's an hour. Mm-hmm. No main roster guys ever show up there for what the if most Roman part. Roman Reigns is just like on all like Yeah, exactly. Like now you're just gonna have Roman Reigns on all three and he's gonna win the Universal WWE and NXT title now and he's just gonna run steamroll over every show. The big I guess dog. I guess that's gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, right. Um I think it'll be an off idea. Mm-hmm. I think NXT it's by itself for an hour long is a perfect time. Sh- perfect time, perfect show. If you move to two hours, you don't you don't realize how little depth you would have for two hours. Oh yeah, well, if, if you look you at the sh- you look at this NXT Takeover show that's going to be happening in a couple weeks here, where you look at it and you go, okay, Cole Gargano again, right, undisputed era versus the Street Profits, so era again, strong, done, who's not even on the actual roster, and Velveteen Dream again, right? You've got there's not a lot of depth there. Shayna yeah. Baszler's just been a women's champion forever. You don't have you know Riddle's there now too, but I mean. There's not a lot of depth. You're yeah. right. You're asking, right. and, so and it's the, very hidden because you're so top heavy. Yeah. in that company. Yeah, and in, in that it's, only, it's only an hour long episode. Right. Two. So you're not overexposing. Yeah. So either. you're like you can have a six man tag between Arrow and whoever, yeah. and have it go forty minutes, mm-hmm. and then you're fine. You can go off, and then right. next week or whatever you have right. new guys come in or whatever. No doubt. No doubt. But now with two hour shows, now Arrow's gonna be on every single week, yep. and Brittle's gonna be wrestling someone every single week, which would be fun until after about three months where you go. Just like WWE, wow, I can't stand this. Right, and it's the same matchups over, over and over, over and over. I mean, honestly, you we talked about how we were bored against uh, Gargano Champa. I wasn't, but you right. were. Yeah, I was. Yeah, Are I you was getting bored up. of Gargano Champa or Gargano, Gargano Cole? Cole? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't. I, I understand the reason why the third one's happening, but at the same time, I'm not excited. I'm not. Let's not excited is not the right word. I'm not necessarily happy about it i'm not excited about it i'm just kind of like all right you know it is what it is it's happening i'm assuming cole retains which makes me happy but you know what i mean so for me it's like they're just dragging their feet on somebody because they don't know what to do with their game on the main roster so let's just keep in the title fight as long as possible you know what i mean yeah so it's i agree with you that would go more stagnant Yes, absolutely, no doubt about it. Right, it's all hypotheticals, right? But I'm just saying, to the AEW point, once again, you go and you you say, all right, they're trying to throw all their top quote-unquote independent talent that's left, right? All the top indie talents either is in, you know... AEW or it's an NXT, right? Mm-hmm. You know, New Japan. I'm not even counting right now because they don't really get a lot of American independent talent no, over there. You know what I mean? Really. So, um, should what is AEW now that we know the dates, the times, and all that good stuff? What do they need to do to keep you long term? Because we we've talked about there's going to be an initial spike, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to go crazy. It's going to pull a four or five rating, which is going to be like five million people. But once the novelty wears off and it's just, oh, by the way, this is every single week, right? Mm-hmm. What do they need to do? Because I have some ideas, but I want to hear your opinion on it first. What do they need to do to keep you invested into the product? Because at some point, these guys are going to become household names if this works, right? So mm-hmm. at some point, Kenny Omega is just going to be as familiar as Seth Rollins is to the wrestling community. Yeah. So because of that, what do they need to do? What do they need to stop themselves from doing in order to stay on the current path, I don't need. I don't need where it's like we're talking about them every single week. But you can't turn into TNA where nobody talks about you ever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay, well, I would say first in the first months is you're gonna have so many people. You need to start long term booking mm-hmm. and not short term booking. Mm-hmm. Like you need to set up stuff for like the next year mm-hmm. and these first month of shows mm-hmm. because you need to go. Okay, so we're gonna plant seeds for like Kenny Omega turning and well, you going to, after yeah, this right you need you need to plant these seeds early because mm-hmm. then it'll keep people invested go wait when is when is he going to get that title shot when right, is this going right, to happen right. you need to have that so people keep tuning and say is this the week it's going to happen mm-hmm. so people keep coming in mm-hmm. and you also because since and they kind of are going to benefit from this with their plan of going mm-hmm. about it is you can't have jericho omega seven times in three months you can't do it you can't have to go it. okay so jericho hypothetically say he's the world champion right mm-hmm. And say he, he eats Hangman way. or whatever. Yeah. Hangman goes to the back of the line. MJF is the next guy. He beats and MJF gets it because he beats Kenny Omega or something. Mm-hmm. Make it work, first of all. Have the stories actually make sense. Right. And then he beats him. Okay, MJF is done now. Mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of back-to-back-to-back matches. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. want everything to be as fresh as you can be. No doubt. No doubt about that. I think right. those are the two big things yeah. that they do. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Like, I, let's not have Lucha Bros Young Bucks for the 17th time before right. your TV I'm show I'm kind of done. Starts. After this one at All Out, I'm yeah. done. I don't need to see it again for a while. No. But, the, right, so that's the point is... I think I think you're right. I think the cultivation of talent, because right now you do not, similar to NXT, you've got a lot of top talent, but you don't have a lot of talent underneath that on the undercard right now. You're trying to establish that, 
And I've given them props on this show before about that. But you need to continue to establish your underneath talent. You need to you know, keep the storylines fresh. You need to crown champions that people are going to want to watch initially, right? So Jericho beating Adam Page is the right move. I don't care what anybody says it is. Um, you know, somebody like the Bucks or somebody winning the tag. I know it's so obvious, but to get somebody like that early on, right, to yeah. make people want to come and see that is important. I do think a tournament for the tag just... Uh, oh, it's going to be fantastic. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Perfect. And you can really just go off of the vibe of the crowd there. Oh, yeah. Because you're going to be able to establish some teams, yeah, too, with this. Well, because you can have, say, an eight-man tournament and go, okay, you guys are going to go out, wrestle for ten minutes, and whoever the crowd's more hot for, mm-hmm. that's who's going to win. Because mm-hmm. there's so many good teams there. Like, you could have Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy win. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And no one would bet an eyelash. You'd be like, right. wow, that's a great first team. Right. Or you can have the Bucks, or you have Lucha Bros, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whoever they're most hot well, for, whoever the favorite watch. is is never going to win it, because that never happens in booking ever. So, yeah. like, if Young Bucks make it to the final, whoever they're facing is probably going to win them, just because, exactly. just by de facto. But, so, there's a lot of things I think they can do to keep up momentum. I like the fact they're only doing a few pay-per-views a year, not to keep it stale and you know, always have culminations. I think they need to start at the back. So let's just say All Out is their big show every year, right? Like that's the show. All something. Right, whatever it show. is, right? Yeah. So because of that, they need to start there. Okay, what's our main event? What's our main event of All Out 2 or whatever the hell it is, right? Yeah. When that happens, how do we get there? And then you need to reverse book everything from then all the way back till October 2nd mm-hmm. when they debut. Yes. How do we get to where we want to go? If we want Omega... Rhodes for the title in the main event. How do we get there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. How do we get Bucks versus you know whoever? Order. Right, exactly. How Moxley do we get? Yeah, exactly. how do we get Moxley, Janela? You know, three stages of death. Whatever it is, I don't care. Whatever you know what I mean. So I think that by doing that and taking the time to say, okay, how do we? Where do we want to be? Who needs? Who do we need to build? Where do we want? Who do we want to be? aligned in what area of the card mm-hmm. you know what i mean starting there developing young talent and working your way back i think is going to be the recipe for success i, I also for love their win-loss system yes they haven't really yes. implemented it too but much, you're gonna see it quickly i literally sit like i'll be sitting around and going so the bucks are three and oh and then hangman page three and oh those are the only two undefeated people mm-hmm. or whatever and like to me as a fan i just think about it's so important already that they're three and oh going right. into these shows and right. stuff yeah that I well feel they like made it apparent in this last show right they're like he hasn't won a match yet you yeah. know what i mean like mjf hasn't won a match yeah. yet or whatever so yeah, the like, commentary does a great job of going kenny omega's one-on-one he needs his match against shima right he, like, needs, he needs to win this yeah. in order to maintain relevance yeah. right absolutely and i think that stuff that's is huge so absolutely huge. huge right all right Obviously, we'll keep tabs on it a couple months from now. It's going to be awesome. We're really excited for that. Um, let's talk some Lions talk. Okay, training camp is officially kicked off. 2019 season what is on there. What, have training camp? Yeah, I mean, uh, Hawkinson looks like the real deal. From okay. Three days of practice, whatever okay, like would that. You, okay, I was thinking about this. Yeah. We're going to go super off topic for six seconds here. Yeah. Would you rather hear all the good stuff that's happening or all the bad stuff that's happening? I would say all the bad stuff. Honestly. Okay, that's what I think too. Honestly, because I hate because, hearing like, "Well, well he's I, I just mean, so great, and there's no pads on." Like, yeah. I get but it. No, yeah. but like, I just hate hearing yeah. like, "Oh, Hawkinson made this great catch and stuff." I want to hear Tracy Walker can't cover anybody. Yeah, because then like my expectations go, "Oh, so all these so guys." Are just doing so Hawkinson's the man, right? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I okay. I, I think they've done a nice job. Honestly, some of, I give the Detroit media a lot of flack a lot of times because they're so negative. But in this case, a lot of people are interested to see what the Lions are going to do nationwide, not from a writer perspective, just because they're they're such an anomaly. No one really knows what they're going to do um they've done a nice job of kind of giving you both pros and cons right yeah. like you know Stafford makes a great throw to Hawkinson in the back of the end zone and then oh Stafford underthrows and Rashawn Melvin picks it off so there's things that you yeah know, you're getting both of it but if I can only hear what I want to hear the negative because I want to be like all right here's where we have issues yeah. here's what to look yeah, for in preseason all I hear is all these like positive stuff and of then course. when the season comes in I go and you go wow we look yeah. like garbage like they lose yeah. oh Hawkinson's the next Gronkowski, and then he's yeah. dropping every pass. And I go, but didn't they just say that he was doing really yeah, good? Like, right. I hate like yep, no that contradictory stuff. For sure. But anyway, okay, For let's sure. talk about these signings. Yeah. All right. So, uh, as many of you know, maybe you don't, but now you're going to hear it here first if you haven't. Uh, Mike Daniels, defensive tackle, defensive end, whatever you want to call him, defensive lineman, I guess yeah. is the best way. Um, from the Green Bay Packers was released earlier this week and was immediately picked up by your Detroit Lions for a one-year deal worth nine point one million, seven point three guaranteed at signing, and in the corresponding move, Theo Riddick is now a ex-Detroit Lion. That's right, Theo Riddick, our receiving back, receiving receiver. He's a receiver. Let's be real. Um, 
is no longer with the team. Would Lions save about $3.6 million, somewhere around that range, seven, four, or something like that. Uh, in cap savings, he's only going to count around $900,000 against the cap this season. Um, so thanks for all of the years, Theo. For Thoughts on each move, Mike, because I was really pumped about Mike Daniels coming here. And the reason why he came here, straight out of his words, Matt Patricia. Yes. So it completely dispels the notion nobody wants to play for Matt Patricia. Yes. They came here because Matt Patricia, and he says, quote-unquote, he's a genius. Yes. Um, I mean, I like the move. Our D-line is going to be one of the you know, top six probably in the NFL. Gary good, baby. Uh, so um, exciting. So exciting. And Theo Riddick, I mean, I liked Theo Riddick for what he did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess you have other guys who are cheaper that can kind of do that role a little bit. The I guy think you Karen drafted, can stay in the game. Karen will probably, yeah, probably. That's what's going to be. Probably, yeah. or you have that guy you drafted that Ty they Johnson. said that he's like super fast and he can catch and right. stuff. So that'll be like your new Theo Riddick. Right. Well, Theo coming off a down year, right, making almost four million dollars a year for a guy who at this point in time was probably third on the depth chart. Yeah. At, at most third, possibly fourth. He didn't run any first team reps. Since mm-hmm. the new season's begun, um, carrying on Johnson obviously emerging as the premier back for our Detroit Lions. I love the Mike Daniel signing. I love the Dude. fact that he's next Packer and he immediately came right to the division, so he's going to play them twice a year. I love the fact that they went and made a bold move because whether people want to admit it or not, this is a bold move for this team. The fact that they went and said, "You know what? Screw it. We we fortified the D line by signing Flowers. We got snacks last year. We drafted Hand. We drafted Brian. We've got you know we've got pieces here. You still have Ashan. You re-sign." Aquara, let's turn a strength into a super strength, right? Let's make ourselves even more dominant, more versatile. Imagine a defensive line where you're rotating snacks, hand, Ashan, and Mike and Daniels at the same time, where you're just consistently there's a rotation of good to and in snacks in Daniel's case, I would say great talent mm-hmm. going through there at all times. You know what I mean? With Flowers, with Aquara, with Kennard, with Jared Davis going to be rushing the pass. There's a lot of pieces on this front seven of this defense that make me extremely excited to see year two of this. You know what I mean? And we're going to talk more training camp updates as we get closer to preseason because I don't want to. I mean, we've been we've had three four days of it, so I don't want to get too into it now. But um. Do you think these moves, the corresponding moves, Daniel signing, Theo released, is this make them better or worse after these two things happen? Um, is the same the option? Yeah, you can if you want to go to the same. Yeah, okay. sure. I think they're borderline the same. If I had to pick one, I'd say probably a little better. Yeah, but I would say the same only because. Your rotation already was so good. Yeah. And I get, like, adding oh, an yeah, extra for sure. guy to your for rotation. Sure. Pro good. bowler. But, like, yeah. if you just take him out, you still have one of the better rotations in mm-hmm. the league. No doubt. So I'm not saying, oh, like, I mean. You're not diminishing the fact that he's not a good player. It's just you. it was already somewhat of a strength going yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you had, like, two great quarterbacks and, like, you just, like, took one out and put the other one in. It's like. Is that really like right? You know right. what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I'm no just kind of no doubt about it. I, I would I, say they're about the same. Yeah, but. I would say they're a little bit better, and here's why. I think that with Theo out of the rotation now, um, I think they're going to make the offense just a little bit less predictable because Theo has no running threat whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Putting Daniels in there, he got starter money. He's probably going to start. I know it's only a one year deal, which I'm cool with. Um, I think it's going to allow. It just brings more depth, right? Another pass rushing option. It's going to be really hard to to run against this defense now going forward, right? So you're going to make teams one-dimensional, which means because you're not going to be able to run the ball effectively, it's going to allow the defense to pin their ears and just go. You know what I mean? It's going to help the secondary. The greater your front seven, the better your secondary is. So if you're fortifying that defensive line, because there's so many question marks in the defensive backfield besides Slay and Diggs, I would say that that's going to help Melvin. It's going to help Justin Coleman. It's going to help possibly Tabor. It's going to help uh, Tracy Walker and Will Harris and all these and Tavai, all these other guys that are going to benefit a lot from this front four or five or whatever they're going to throw at people. Yeah. Really going to help them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I does this reaffirm for you though that this is an all-in type move? Do you think that they are all with the money they spent in the offseason, with with the draft picks that they've done at specific key positions, they've revitalized the tight end room, all these things, does this symbolize an all-in move for you? I don't think it's all in per se. I think it's just building not even toward the future, just mm-hmm. like for future seasons. Mm-hmm. Because you're just getting a lot of like this guy's a veteran guy who yeah. you're gonna use for if a not anything, leadership skills right. for to sure. upgrade 
the defensive tackle that we yep. drafted or Austin Bryant or something. Right. Yes. And Hawkinson, he's going to be here for what 12 years or something. Mm-hmm. So even hopefully. yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So like say in 3 years or 4 years if Stafford leaves mm-hmm. and a new guy comes in, Hawkinson can if he's going to be a Gronk type player like everyone says he's going to be, mm-hmm. then he can help out the new guy go, "Okay, this is what we got to do." Right. We have receiving mm-hmm. depth at Kenny Galladay right. who's hopefully here for a very long time. Because he's still what one or two right. years in, where you have that four to five receiver that you go to a new guy. Hey, this just is in case, one. this, this is your number one. one. We got just you. Throw it. Yeah. He's different. He's like, the, he's like <laughs> the Calvin Johnson kind of guy, where you right. come and you go. We have someone that you can throw to. Yeah. Carry on Johnson. Yeah. He's hopefully going to be here for a he long stays time. Stays healthy. Stays healthy. We have a lot of guys who Players. should be here for a good amount of time. Yeah. And which isn't just like oh, it's all in this year. It's more like all in Building, next yeah. four or five And years. that's the thing, right? In this team, and I want to do, we're going to do a full roster breakdown coming up here in the coming weeks on this team because I'm really excited about them. Um, but there's not, just as a spoiler, there's not a lot of areas of lacking of depth on this football team. There's very few areas where there's like not another guy where you could place in there and go, okay, I see them starting. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's a lot of that. There's some holes, but... They've done a complete roster overhaul in front of our eyes, and I don't think people truly realize that yet. Go back and look at this roster three years ago and look at it now. The turnover is almost complete, completely different. Completely mm-hmm. different. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. So really exciting stuff. I, I like the sign. Like I said, once again, good luck in New Orleans or wherever you wind up at, Theo. You were, you were great for a good solid three seasons for us, so appreciate that. Um, all right, last thing. Let's beat up on the Pistons a little bit before we go off air. Uh, Blake Griffin goes 0 for 3 on free and signings. You know, as, as many of you guys know, in the NBA, star players on individual teams will reach out to guys and go, hey, you should come here, man. We're going to win a championship, yada, yada, yada. Do the whole bait and switch. Um, he, Blake Griffin went on, I think it was Conan or something like that, yeah. and basically said, yeah, I went 0 for 3. At one point, he's like, I text a guy, and 30 minutes later, I get a report he signed with another team. <laughs> so, I cle- clearly, it was not the, you know, he's not the negotiator. Or, you know, the, the cap, obviously, is an issue as well. Um, does this show, though, the guy like Blake Griffin, who is a premier player in this league? You know, let's be real. He's probably, what, top 20? Sure. Top 20? Yeah, top 25? Top 15. Yeah, there you go. See? Like, at so, 15. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take a top 15 player. Um because of that, though, do you think that that kind of shows how hard it is for a guy like him even to, like, get a guy to come here or even think, like, hey, man, you should come to Detroit. You know, we could really do some um, things. I know? would say yes, but I don't think it's purely, oh, it's just hard to get people to come to Detroit. It's just that we're not good. Like, right. if you had, like, as a player, if you had the option to them or, like, the nine teams in the West that have a chance at making the playoffs or mm-hmm. whatever, like, which one are you going to? Well, you I, know what I, mean? like, I guess my point, though, is, like, uh, like I, I guess I would say, for instance, a team like like Cleveland, right? Like, why would teams go to Cleveland, right? They went. Yeah. You know what I mean, but I mean, obviously, LeBron was there. But yeah. like, why would anybody go to the Clippers? Clippers haven't been good ever. Yeah, it's just when you see the revival, like, oh, but, they're yeah, but a after. But I'm saying, like, why would Kawhi and Paul George go to L.A. Because they've never, they were terrible. They sold off. I mean, they did it in order to yeah. sign those guys, yeah. but they only went there because it's L.A. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're not going there if, because of this winning tradition. You know the well, Clippers. You know what I mean. But I mean, you have to look at like they they knew they were going together, meaning that they knew they had a chance at winning. When you go yeah. to Detroit, you just go, this team's like they don't have really that much of a chance. So mm-hmm. why like waste my X amount of years that you want to play here mm-hmm. trying to build the team better when right. realistically you probably won't win when you can go somewhere else to win. That's yeah. kind of how I look at it. Right. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it speaks to it, right? Absolutely. Um, what what do you think they need to do then? Like, what what is their what's the next step for them to be able to lure it, or at least have a chance at talking to a guy like Kawhi Leonard? They need they need Dwayne Casey to coach the hex out of them, <laughs> and they need to have a phenomenal year. Yeah, and that's really the only way. Like when you look at the Pistons team, you think they finish in like the fourth seed? Do you think they do you think that'll help? Yeah, like something like that, where if you get a high seed and you go, listen, we made it to the semifinals, mm-hmm. and then Blake Griffin can go, hey, we have me, Andre, Derrick Rose, who's playing very well. Mm-hmm. If you come here... That's going to really help. You're, it's going <laughs> to help us get to a second seed and possibly a conference yeah. championship, possibly a finals. Right. Then you go, that's not a bad option. But right, right. now when you go, yeah, we were an eight seed barely, and then we got yeah, swept by got the Bucks. That's yeah. a that's an awesome argument to no have doubt. versus oh, yeah. the Raptors, who are like... We lost Kawhi, but we still have a good team. We won a championship last year. Come here. Right. Kind of thing. So it's a tough That's tough, right? Do you think that, last question before we end the show, do you think that they are able, do you think they'll be able to land a top-tier free agent in 2021? And I ask about 2021, not next year. 14 guys. That and because after this season, 
Reggie's done. Yeah. Right? He's gone, or at least his contract is up. The year after that, Drummond could potentially be gone as well, but you still have Blake here, right? Yeah. That's pretty much the only guy you have. I think Kennard. So, with that being said, do you think that they have the op- Do you think that they'll at least be in the mix? Do you think they're going to be able to land a top tier, let's say, top 10 guy to get him to come to Detroit? And his name's not Josh Smith, for the love of Pete. Um, it would have to be because, like I said, we were a yeah. number four, number three seed. Even we if we cleared cap and even, so all the cap space available, we give out a max contract. There's no way they would have to have some so. sort of production along so. with it. Like, what if, like, if you had, say, hypothetically, like James Harden was like, hey, like, if you think about either Greece sign with Houston mm-hmm. or going to Detroit, Houston's right. a three or four seed in the West, and you're looking at the Pistons, you're like, you didn't even make the playoffs, but you have a lot of money. I'd rather go play over here. So I think you need the success. Mm. With the that confuses me, though, a little bit because, like, again, I'm going to use the Clippers as a perfect example. Clippers have one shit. Excuse yeah. my language. You know what I mean? They're in L.A. That's why people want to go there. So I think well, it's... Well, that's fair, but, also, but like, when you look at it now, I think it's... Kawhi wasn't... So people, there were reports out that mm-hmm. Kawhi wasn't going to go there. Paul George didn't go there. Mm-hmm. Like, he was oh, no like, doubt. No he doubt. Was, he, yeah. was like, he was like, I'm either going to stay in Toronto, go to L.A. with LeBron, but then Paul George was like, hey, I'll go with you mm-hmm. to have two-star guys there. Then you're like, okay, I'll go. Right, but I, that, my thought being, okay, you have Blake there, right? And let's just, just let's pray to God he stays healthy, yeah. right? So you have that, and you're able to say, okay, I'm going to bring maybe not another max player necessarily, but I'll bring somebody along with me mm-hmm. and go, like, why does anybody want to go to Brooklyn? Because in New York. Why does anybody ever want to go to the Knicks? I mean, nobody wants to go to the Knicks. But point being, people have gone to the Knicks because yeah. it's New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that there's a little bit of an inherent, like, just because you're in Detroit and nobody wants to come to Detroit. It's not so much that they don't want to because of the mm. team's success. Because I've seen bad, pl- I've seen a lot of bad teams land good free agents. Like Amari Stoudemire went to the Knicks for what reason? The Knicks haven't won anything literally ever. But he went there at a time where he was at the top of his game and signed a max deal just to go play in New York. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony left a good Denver Nuggets team. Well, that's why I think Detroit's not in that where they're yeah. not a big city like that. Like right. they're not the favorite. So either one. you have to be so you're saying that you have to either be good and have results and people want to come here or you have to be a premier city, like yeah, like you know, what I mean, it's one of the two. Okay. Like OKC is not like the prime destination, but they somehow got Paul George because guess what? Russell Westbrook was working his butt off mm-hmm. the year KD left and got an average, the first ever triple right. double in such a long time. Right. That he was like, man, if I get that effort every single day, right, I'm, I and they stay. made the playoffs, I should go there. Where if you go to Detroit and you're barely making it into the playoffs, and right. Blake Griffin gets hurt mm-hmm. a decent amount of the time, you're like, why would I want to go there? Right. You know, it's just it's just a question, like right? You know, because I think it's something that they're they're getting ready for in the next yeah. coming years. You know, I mean, you can kind of see all these contracts, these two year deals are like, yep, we're just going to maintain course just until that time happens, and we're going to throw a whole bunch of money at a whole bunch of aging superstars. Can't wait! It's going to be awesome. Yeah. All right, that's going to be it for episode thirty five. Next week we're probably going. Which which division are we going over in college next week? Have you decided uh, yet? We're going to leave it as a surprise. Um, ACC, SEC, or what's the other? Big Twelve? Oh, we'll go Big Ten next week. Big Twelve. No, no, uh, Big Twelve. Ooh, we'll Big 12. Twelve action. All right, a whole bunch of overrated teams that used to be good twenty five years ago. We're going to talk about. I'm mean, really excited for that. All that good stuff and more next week for the Merck Zone. Mm-hmm. I am the Mouth Mission. We will see you guys as always. 